Our scripture reading today is Psalm 128. You can find it on page 10 of your bulletin. Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Don. Okay. Well, again, welcome to Trinity. We're so glad you're here. Uh, kids, a couple of things for you to listen for. First, um, fireworks. Second, a uh, story about a giant. And then thirdly, uh, about a garden. So fireworks, a giant, and a garden. And um, grown-ups, we're going to talk about this, uh, this word blessing that's uh, it's all over this um, this psalm, and we're going to talk about what the blessing is and then how to get it. Okay, so that's where we're headed. Um, just a little bit of an intro as you think about this um, these six verses. Uh, I think it's helpful to see they're almost concentric circles. Um, the writer of this psalm is reminding the Israelites who are traveling to Jerusalem of the blessings that they get from being in relationship with the Lord. And the first one is the blessing to the man, um, then a blessing to his family, and then a blessing to all of Israel, okay? And so there, you can think of them like a bullseye, right? So first to the man, to his family, and then to all of Israel. And I think it's really, uh, it's particularly appropriate just to say from the outset that this is a corporate psalm. The blessings that are coming to the people are coming not in the way that we might think that our, our, you know, our checking accounts are going to flourish or our you know, stock portfolio is going to whatever, double. Um, but this is a corporate psalm, that ultimately the blessings are found corporately. Uh, one other note, just as we get into it, um, it also it t- ties pretty well into Psalm 127 that we read last week. So if you've got your Bible, uh, you might want to just keep, them, uh, keep it open to that page. We'll look some at 127 and then uh, spend most of our time in 128. So let me, uh, let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll dig in. Lord God, you are kind in all that you do. Thank you for your word that it is a joy and a delight to read your scriptures. Thank you that your words are life-giving, that we often need to be reminded where our happiness lies and what it means to be in relationship with you and in relationship with one another. And so we pray, Lord, that you would meet us as we look at your word together. Teach us, shape us, Transform us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so that, that word blessed um, in, in verse 1 and in other places, uh, really the, the connotation there is happy. You could say happy is the one, right, who uh, everyone who fears the Lord. Ha- and so uh, it, it's, I think, right and appropriate for us to think about what, what does it mean to be really happy? Um, 
This, this is a psalm. Um, Eugene Peterson says that this psalm reminds us that it is the easiest thing in the world to be a Christian. To be saved by God's grace through Jesus is the easiest thing in the world. And my Presbyterian sensibilities um, I just want to close the book at that point and say, no, life is hard and we suffer and it's difficult and, right, we, there's no joy, it's all, right? We sing songs with tons of words in them. Uh, we, you know, we do, we do the hard work and that, that's what the Christian life, I can remember actually uh, with our RUF students, right? And, and the context at Virginia Tech in some ways was uh, one of like, if you're a Christian, things will go well for you. It'll be really easy. Um, and we, we would say, no, actually, being a Christian often feels like death. <laughs> it feels like you are dying, whether it's sacrificially dying in love for someone else, your spouse or uh, your kids or your church family, whatever that might look like. There is an aspect to our Christianity that can feel like dying over and over and over again, right? Jesus says... As I suffer, so you'll suffer in my name, right? And so that, that's true, and I think we can certainly emphasize that, that side of it. But it is also true that there is a tremendous joy that comes from being a Christian. There is a tremendous happiness, a blessedness that comes from walking with Jesus, Now, happiness, as the world defines it, may look very different, right? Uh, one uh, pastor I listened to uh, talking about happiness said that you could define uh, happiness in America as, in one word, more. More of everything, right? More money, more food, more uh, square footage, more Everything, right? Just more. We want everything. Uh, he, he went on to say, I don't know if we can, ver- I, this, this is unverified, but he went on to say that, that the U.S. actually ranks, I think, somewhere like in the 20s in terms of happiness. There is a happiness report that comes out every year, uh, and it's the smaller countries around the world that often are the most happy, and we are not. Where, where we excel um, is in um, obesity, and the most storage units uh, per capita, right? And uh, that, that's, that, is, uh, that is what marks us, more stuff. And I, I have to tell you that I am already watching um, the, the news from Apple for this fall's new phone release. That is um, something that I have done for a long time and is something that I often wrestle with in my own heart. Um, but it always comes back to, I, I need that new one. The old one it doesn't work anymore. I need the new, I need more, I need better. And that can be our uh, sense of what happened. If only I had this, if only this were true of me. It, it can also be true in our society, right, that, that happiness comes if I am the fullest expression of myself. If I feel something, I have to express it in order to be true to who I am as an individual. And so true happiness can only come when I express what I'm feeling at the moment, which might change in 30 seconds, but right now, this is the fullest expression of who I am, and only if I'm doing that am I truly happy. 
and the church or my parents or whatever, no one can tell me what happiness actually looks like because I'm the only barometer of whether I'm happy or not. The Bible's view of happiness actually looks very different. Um, there, there is a, an illustration that Tim Keller uses about a goldfish. Maybe some of you have heard this before. Uh, maybe Brian's even used it uh, in a sermon. But it, it is talking about the idea of freedom. And it, it is this, that if you took a goldfish out of water, so it was free of all of its restrictions, is it really free? No, it's dead. It's dead. It's a dead goldfish because you have taken it and put it where those, the, the, the restrictions are actually there to promote and give life, not, not to be a burden, not to, not to be restrictive, but the, the presence of the right restrictions actually allows us to live in freedom. And that's actually what's happening here as the Bible talks about happiness. We are most happy when we are most living the way that God intended for us to live. When I'm unhappy, it's when I'm out of accord with God's intended purposes for my life. That idea of the fear of the Lord, verse one, it isn't something that we're to, to be scared or intimidated Although there's a piece of that, right? I would consider fear of the Lord to maybe be like awe or reverence. Uh, that moment where maybe you're standing before the, um, the Grand Canyon. or uh, My folks are actually, they just visited Lake Louise on an uh, anniversary trip. And they sent pictures of, uh, to us of that. And it, it's awe-inspiring. It's incredible. I've never been there. But it, it's incredible, uh, maybe it's uh, a sensing power, right? We have this um, friend from Raleigh. Uh, we, we have a habit of getting over there to see them when we're on family vacation. And we're usually there around the 4th of July. And he's the fireworks guy, the like drive from Raleigh to South Carolina to buy fireworks guy. Um, and he, he would say he has a healthy relationship with fireworks, right? That it's a, that he understands their power and all of that kind of stuff. It may not be as clear to the rest of us that he has this healthy understanding of the, you know, the, the danger and the power and the greatness of a firework. This year we were there and he, he, all the kids are kind of standing around watching and he's like, hey kids, come here. I'm not sure what this one does. And as he's about to, to light the firework, not always the smartest um, in everyone else's minds. And, and yet there's something about those fireworks, right, that, that is awe-inspiring. There is a healthy reverence. You're not going to take those into your living room, right, and set them off in your living room. Um, Y'all saw that Simply Safe uh, video, right, of the, the car that had the whole box of fireworks in the back of the car, uh, if you haven't seen it, you need to find it. Uh, it's a 30-second clip from a security camera of a family setting off fireworks, and one of them fires into the car, the back of the minivan, and it sets off all the fireworks in the back of the car. I mean, it is just, um, it's scary, frightening. Um, there is a healthy reverence that we are to have with something like fire, fireworks or fire. And we need that 
when it comes to the Lord. He is God, we are his creature. Um, one commentator says that the fear of the Lord, part of the fear of having a healthy fear of the Lord is knowing your place in the world. It is, it is being okay with your smallness. As you see God for who he really is, as you understand him, you're able to see your smallness. And that's healthy. When our, our happiness gets distorted, it's often when we're biggest, right? And, and God is small. Um, there's a book called The Rest of God. Mark Buchanan is the author, and he tells this story. Uh, it's a paraphrase of a story that G.K. Chesterton told. Uh, and it's a, it's a short story. It goes like this. A young boy was given a choice. He could be gigantic or he could be minuscule. He chose to be gigantic. His head brushed the clouds. He waded the Atlantic like a pond, scooped gray whales into his hand and swished them like tadpoles in the bowl of his palm. He strode in a few, in a few bounds from one edge of the continent to the other. He kicked over a range of mountains like an anthill just because he could and didn't feel like stepping over it. He plucked a California redwood and whittled its tip for a toothpick. When he got tired, he stretched out across Nebraska and Ohio, flopped one arm into the Dakotas and the other into Canada, and slept in the grass. It was magnificent. It was spellbinding. It was exhilarating for about a day. And then it was boring. And the gigantic boy in his boredom daydreamed about having made the other choice to be minuscule. His backyard would have become an Amazonian rainforest. His gerbil would hulk larger than a woolly mammoth, and he could ride the back of a butterfly or go spelunking down wormholes. A tub of ice cream would be a winter playground of magic proportions. Life would have been so much more interesting had he chosen smallness. And I think that's so helpful for us. Everything that drives us, remember the meritocracy we talked about last week? Everything drives us to make our name great to be about us all the time. And there is something beautiful and refreshing about having a healthy fear of the Lord and resting in our smallness. Putting our hand to the plow in whatever God has called us to, big or small, recognizing that we're a part of a larger kingdom and he is most happy and we are most blessed when we rest in that smallness. In verses one and two, you see this contrast develop. You shall be happy versus you shall be like God. There are echoes all throughout this psalm of Genesis three. Did you pick up on that as you heard it? Genesis three, the story of Adam and Eve falling to the serpent. There's, there are echoes all over this. Adam and Eve are placed in the garden. They are meant to tend uh, the garden, to work it, to fill the earth and subdue it. They're given a high calling. And yet the serpent comes and says, there's that tree you can't eat of? Did God really say you couldn't have that? He must not want good for you. 
if you eat of that tree, that's the one that will make you like God. Do you hear the bigness in that? You'll be like God if you eat of that tree. And they do. They want to be like God. They don't want to be small. And so they eat, and everything breaks. And so this psalm is a reminder to the people of Israel and to us that even though everything is broken, there is a blessing in being small in our obedience before the Lord. Isaiah 53 says, we all like sheep have turned astray. We've all gone our own way, right? And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Instead of walking in the way of the Lord, we all choose our own way to our destruction. But there is a blessing for the people of God who will walk in the ways of the Lord in the small obediences of this life. So blessed are those who fear the Lord, who work hard. Do you hear echoes of the curses in Genesis 3? Right? What happens? What's the curse for Adam in Genesis 3? Cursed is the ground because of you. And every day your work will feel like toil. It'll feel like vanity, Psalm 127. You're going to work and work and work and it will only frustrate And yet, Psalm 128 reminds the Israelites and us that there is a blessing in faithfully working, in trusting Jesus, looking to him to be the one who works in and through us. We do hard work, and the blessing of that hard work is that we enjoy the fruit of our labor. Deuteronomy 28.33 says this, A nation you have not known shall eat up the fruit of your ground and of all your labors, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. One of the curses on the people of Israel in the Old Testament, if they weren't obedient to the Lord, was that somebody else was going to have their dinner. Somebody else was going to eat the fruit of their labors. And this psalm says, if you will trust in God, if you will look to him and know that he is God and we are the creature and faithfully work, one of the blessings that will come to you is that you will eat the fruit of your own labor. You're going to enjoy the fruits of your hard work. It's a blessing that comes from God. Similar to the wisdom in Proverbs, we talked last week about 127 being a, a wisdom psalm. This, this carries that on, another wisdom psalm. Throughout all of Old Testament wisdom, respect for the Lord is, is evidenced by obedience to him, walking in his way. The image of walking indicates constant devotion and routine obedience to Yahweh over the course of a life. The belief of the godly person drives his behavior. His commitment to the Lord shapes his conduct. So the blessing that comes to the man who fears the Lord looks like this right relationship with God, blessings given from God to him, and he gets to enjoy this hard work. 
Another commentator says, you mustn't wish for another life. You mustn't want to be somebody else. What you must do is this, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks. And it's not just that blessing that comes. It's a blessing to your family, right? Verse three talks about your wife being a fruitful vine and your children being like olive shoots. That one of the blessings is that your family will enjoy these blessings of God that he gives to his people. Now, again, it's a wisdom psalm. It doesn't mean that everyone who obeys gets a huge family. That's not necessarily what's happening here. Um, But it is a picture of fruitfulness that extends outside beyond the individual to his family and then ultimately to Israel, verses five and six. We get this picture uh, in the Old Testament of a vine being a place of rest and shadow of, of, of um, protection from the heat. And so your wife as a vine is this picture of a, a partner, a helpmate, someone to, to do life, to work through life, raising a family, all of that, this image of uh, peace and tranquility. It's a source of refreshment and joy. Your children, right in an agrarian society, your children would help you in the fields. They would, they would stick around these olive shoots, right? It's this picture of prosperity and beauty. The, the, the family blessed by the Lord is a, is a beautiful picture, not just for now, but even in the future, right? May you see your children's children. There's this future aspect to our corporate blessing. That God says one of the legacies that we leave is our church family. Our individual families, sure, but also our church family that we experience together the beauties of this blessing that we share together. Our family's future is bound up in the family of Israel and its, its well-being. And so if we seek the well-being of the corporate entity, the church, or in the Old Testament of Israel, we, we see the prospering of every individual family within that. Now, how do we receive that? If, if, if you just set out to, to live according to the, the obedient, you know, to, to be obedient in everything that God has commanded you to, uh, that's good, but you actually miss the, you miss the mark. If, you're, if, if you just seek happiness for happiness' sake, you miss it. What, what, there's a step to getting this blessing. How do we get it? And it's first in realizing that this isn't ultimately just about us or the people of Israel or the church. But it actually talks about, if we go back to Genesis 3, that connection there, uh, there's a promise made in Genesis 3. Right in the midst of the curses, there is a promise that God is going to send the seed of the woman to destroy the serpent. And that seed of the woman, Jesus, is the one ultimately who is going to secure this blessing for us. We're only able to be blessed by God because God saw fit to bless Jesus because of his work. Jesus is the one who had everything, Philippians tells us. He is God, the second person of the Trinity, and he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. He made himself small. And he lived the life that we couldn't. He did it perfectly. 
on our behalf. He sacrificed himself for us as an atonement for our sins. He paid the penalty that we deserved, the punishment that we deserved, he bore. The one who is ultimately blessed became a curse for us, Galatians 3 tells us. Jesus became a curse for us that we might receive the blessing of God. And it is only as we see Jesus as the fulfillment of this psalm, he is the one who has done everything for us that we can then be in him and receive this blessing. Jesus has accomplished all that we need for salvation. So then our obedience is a response to his first obedience. God, because of what Jesus has accomplished for us, he gives us a new heart. He puts the spirit in us so that our hearts are inclined to want to obey, to walk in the, in the ways of the Lord, to have a healthy fear of him. And as we rest in the finished work of Jesus and live as his sons and daughters, we'll receive this blessing. We'll see future generations of the church continue to walk in his ways. We'll see our children and our spiritual children and their children after them continuing to walk until Jesus comes back. It is a blessing for everyone who fears the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your word. Father, help us to see Jesus as the fulfillment of this psalm the true blessings that are ours because of his work on our behalf. Lord, would you bless us as a church? Remind us of our smallness. Lord, help us to work faithfully. Help us to follow you, to walk in your ways. Lord, would Jesus be glorified as we do that? Would you see future generations come to Trinity, to your church? Would you continue to work to draw people to yourselves, to see justice and righteousness manifest here in the kingdom as we await your second coming? We thank you for all of your work for us. Help us to rest in you and to obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.